10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Live from Qatar, this is The Morning Break with Dorian Brown. Hold tight the Friday Morning Break crew. Good morning and welcome to the start to the end of your week here on Teachers Talk Radio. I'm Dorian Brown, it be Friday the 4th of February and we are broadcasting live from the Teachers Talk Radio station wagon. Today we're talking about the enigma that is motivation. Where does it come from? Where does it go? Where does it come from? Motivation. Talk it out. Live from Qatar, this is The Morning Break with Dorian Brown on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Greetings, wonderful people of the Teachers Talk radio community. Thank you for tuning in today to the Friday morning break. Two or three lessons down so far, I assume, and then two or three remaining. So before you do go once more into the breach, do grab yourself an Ovaltine and a malted milk and join me in the virtual staff room for a a wee natter. We will kick off the show today, as we always do, by bolstering your lexicon, giving you wonderful words to woo the world with. Uh, And it's Mrs Dent who never fails to hit the nail on the button with words that really do reflect the trials and tribulations of the week just past. Today's word is roundaboutation from the 19th century, and that means bloviating or evasive talk that focuses on everything but the subject in hand. And for those of you like me that also needed to look up bloviating, that means to talk at length, especially in an inflated or empty way, something obviously that us here at Teachers Talk Radio have very little experience in. Right, okay, let's get on with the show, and by gum do we have a cracker for you today. Um, If I said to you, Mr. Motivator, a large section of our listeners, I'm sure, would instantly think of our beloved Derek Harrell Evans, dressed in his jazzy spandex. Uh, My guest today is not Derek Evans, Uh, and I also do believe that they're not wearing jazzy spandex, but hey, this is radio, so I suppose anything goes. In the studio with me today with or without their jazzy spandex, is Mr. Cameron Parker, and to pinch from his Twitter, Twitter, or Twitter bio, Um, Cameron is a dad of three amazing kids. He's a youth coach, a speaker, he's impacted over 350,000 14 to 18 year olds, he has a pupil premium focus, Uh, he has a podcast and is founder of the company Dreams to Reality. He's also actually a fellow Bristolian, so if you can't understand what either of us are saying through large sections of this show, do download the podcast, run it through Google Translate, add subtitles, whatever you want to do. Um, Cameron is now priming himself in the green room, so just before we bring him in, please just wrap your ears around Steve Woods' two-minute tech. Uh, He's going to be giving us some tips on how teachers can keep themselves safe in the digital world. See you on the other side. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, as we approach Safe Internet Day next week, it's the 8th of February, if you didn't know, I'm going to take a look at keeping yourself safe as a teacher. 
I'm not going to go into your digital footprint or how you use social media. That's been covered in your safeguarding training, no doubt, and should be common sense. There is, however, a real grey area when it comes to teachers and using their phones in school. Before I start, all schools should have a policy on mobile phones, and you should have read it. I suggest, if you're not sure what it is, then you find out. There is DFE guidance for searching, screening and confiscating for pupils. For staff, Policies in schools range from SLT having different rules to other staff so they can be contacted to phones must be switched off or on silence when pupils are present. Some are even introducing a smartwatch policy as they become increasingly more popular. The first step to keeping yourself safe is to make sure you know what is expected in your school as it's the individual schools that decide and there is no official guidance. The next step is a choice. Images, still or moving, are a great way to evidence work and to feed back to pupils. If your policy allows it, using your phone is the simplest way as it's always with you. To give a real example, a PE teacher at a match doesn't need to remember to take the school camera and probably has a better camera on their phone anyway. But here's the dilemma. Should teachers have pictures of children on their personal phones? Again, school policy will dictate this and parents will have signed a form saying they give permission or not, so you're covered to take the picture. But the question still stands, should it be done on a personal device? This is where I feel the need to keep ourselves safe lies. How long do you keep the images on your phone? Are they automatically backed up into your personal cloud? How do you transfer from your device to the school storage? What if your phone's lost or stolen? I'm not here to provide an answer. I just want you to think about keeping yourself safe. If you take images on a school device, you avoid all of these issues. It may be a little more effort, but in the rare event of an allegation, it's a lot simpler to investigate. Please think about your use of personal devices in school. And if your policy isn't keeping up with what you're doing, consider raising it. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2020 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Live from Qatar, this is The Morning Break with Dorian Brown on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. The, the passion's just there from the moment he walks through the door to, to the moment he finishes his talk. Very inspirational, motivating. He was an amazing speaker, really motivational for the students that he spoke to. He is very passionate about what he talks about. And he said, when the history books are written, I showed up. What I care about is what we're going to do from now and moving forward. That's what I care about. What Cameron's showed all of the students today is actually if you do have that hunger, that vision, that passion, you can pretty much overcome any obstacle that you know, stands in your way. I wanted to just bottle it all up and give it to my students in September. Sometimes it's not about what you get, it's about the person you become along the way. And Cameron joins me live in the studio now. Thank you for joining us on Teachers Talk Radio today, Cameron. Thank you for having me. I feel nervous. Um, I'm so busy in schools every single day at the moment. I kind of haven't done this type of thing for a while. So yeah, I feel nervous. Ah, oh, well, uh, hopefully after a couple of questions, we'll just uh, ease into ease into the groove because I've, uh, I, I know you're a prolific pro- podcaster and everything yourself, so it must be a little bit weird being on the, on the other end of the microphone for once, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, 
I think that intro music as well kind of made me a bit nervous as well. Was, although it does give me a little bit of pep and everything as well. So uh, hope, I'm looking forward to a really good conversation with you. Um, and thank you so much for giving the time to, to, to talk about motivation on Teachers Talk Radio today. Um, let's start off, if you wouldn't mind. Um, so we start every show with just a bit of get a bit of an, an idea of who we're talking to and, and what your journey has been in education, you know, essentially how it started and, and how it's going, really. Yeah, so when you kind of, Obviously, I've seen the question beforehand. And when you talk about that question, do you mean my kind of educational journey um, as far as growing up and stuff as well? Yeah, I mean, it's far back. I think what's really interesting when I speak to, to any of my guests is that no one's got the same story. You know, there's no single same yeah. story. Everyone's got their own little route into education themselves, but then also uh, into, into, into schools themselves as well. So, yeah, I mean, a, a bit of both, really. A bit of history yeah, yeah, about yourself. And then how you got into the role that you're doing now. Yeah, the reason why I asked that really is just because my relationship with school wasn't particularly a bad one. I wasn't particularly a really naughty student. I just didn't really care too much, if I'm being honest. Um, or I didn't really see the point of where, what education could really do for me or the outcomes I could achieve through education. So for that, I didn't really try but I also went through quite a lot of difficulty at home, being kicked out from my mum when I was just uh, in, in secondary school, two, uh, two months into year seven. I mean, my parents got divorced in primary school um, and my dad was obviously still working a lot. So that meant I was kind of going from one house to the other, wasn't seeing my mum, but living with my nan kind of half the time, living with my auntie for a little bit and then also with my dad too. So we was just trying to make it work. Um, but that was really difficult. But as far as education and as far as um, what it could do for me, I didn't really understand it. Came out, uh, as I said, living with my nan. Uh, she died when I was in year 11 doing my GCSEs. And she was like my mum pretty much dying. So it impacted me massively, as you could probably imagine. Yeah, and um, I didn't really have anyone so much to answer to. I don't really feel my family valued education either. Um, so I kind of went off the rails, to be honest. And I only got four GCSE. I, I knew enough to get my English and maths. Um, <laughs> but then after that, my life kind of spiraled out of control for about a year to two years. Didn't really understand what I was doing. And then I, I managed to join an American football academy because I was playing and uh, joined a level three business course. I didn't have enough grades, but I taught my kind of taught my way onto it, and that's where my I was. I would say that's where my educational journey really, really began because um, I really learned how to be a student in those two years of doing that level three business course, and I understood what education could do for me. So I left that with the highest grades, 18 distinctions out of 18 units. My goal was to go to America and get scholarship, but I wasn't good enough pretty much. And yeah. land, you know, they say shoot for the stars. And if you miss, you land on clouds or something along those lines. Exactly. Um, and I landed on uh, university, uh, UWE in Bristol, uh, being the first in my family to ever graduate. Um, I discovered there I was heavily dyslexic. Um, ADD and yeah that's where it kind of began but whilst I was in uni that's when I started to work in some of the local schools not not for any money at all just working with students doing assemblies because whilst I was playing American football I built a name 
for myself as far as like being a leader really leading by example not words but leading by example yes. and then it, it, it led over to this me going into schools and talking and delivering these motivational assemblies which have developed mm. into something else now um but that's really where it started and um I've seen kind of a career in in doing what I was doing and it was a massive passion of mine to help especially teenagers uh, to develop their mindsets and, and help them through their problems and challenges and and give them you know opportunities to see what you know education and life can do for them if, if, if they manage to work out the direction. Wow well that's an awful amount to unpick there and traveling a lot there so I do apologize. No no but <laughs> It's, it's amazing because I think, you know, as I'm sure listeners will agree, I mean, that sounds like a, a real tough kind of start to, to, to life and a kind of a, that first kind of your, your first experience of, ed, of education is perhaps, made, you know, we, you know, we take for granted, I guess, a lot of the time people that do have that kind of support mechanism and, and, and network at home, etc. Uh, and, and when you don't have that sort of thing, the how much more difficult everything else is in life, I think uh is is, is, is really highlighted isn't it prime example i was in a school the other day won't mention a school and a 16 year old said to me she said how am i supposed to care about school when i don't even care about myself and mm. uh, <laughs> the yeah. way you just reacted then was exactly how oh wow yeah. what a question yeah. And her home, her home life and everything, what she's currently going through and been through, just mm -hmm. turning up for my session that day was actually a win. And it's about understanding that. Yeah, it was tough for me, but actually the students I work with, you know, have, have it a lot tougher. Um, so, yeah, that is, that's just to give you a... Yeah. yeah, and I, I love I love how you're saying how, how and this is something that I know there's a a, a, a writer in, in in education called uh, Doug Lamov who who's done sort of, sort of teach like a champion he's quite famous for and he's also written a book on uh, on coaching and 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 sports coaching and and when you said that you kind of translated your leadership from a sports field into your kind of leadership or working with schools that kind of made me think of how uh, similar those two things are kind of coaching and and, and leading in sport is very much the same as you know trying to coach uh students individuals uh through you know not necessarily a game but through life almost or through those kind of uh, formative stages but it is almost the same principles in many ways mm -hmm. and it's not to say you know you've got to do a sport to be successful in life it's not saying that but one thing sport did was develop my character you know mm -hmm. how to be punctual how to be on time how to um, listen Habits to and routines, yeah, just, mm -hmm. or just all of it. Even doing doing the work when you don't necessarily feel like doing it, and why do you do it, and so on and so forth. So um, it definitely set me up to go and do what I'm doing now. Yes, fantastic. And 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 yeah, I was going to say, hence why I think this idea of like what we call the, that holistic education and making sure it's not just about grades, it's about developing you as a person, uh, developing those positive dispositions and those habits that mean that when you are in the in the big world, um, you, you you can succeed or you or you've got that platform there um, for you to be able to succeed. Um, yeah, 
yeah, just just quickly touching on that, I think yeah. I think one hundred percent right. But obviously, there is still a lot of pressure when it comes to exams and getting the grades and stuff. And I just feel like schools and teachers are putting a massive emphasis on well-being, on on mindset, on all of these things. And I feel like you listen to the media, or you turn on the radio, and they're like, oh, schools. <laughs> they want schools to do everything and it's like give them give them a chance and actually if they actually you know a lot of people who don't know who are ignorant actually paid attention to what schools are doing schools mm. are doing a fantastic job i'm um, not obviously just bringing me in of course but, <laughs> but they are doing a big job as far as the pastoral team and just yes. yeah i just think there's so much pressure at the moment in the educational system in the uk from what i'm witnessing um and, but it's also good to be a part of a little bit of a solution maybe in some of the schools I'm working in. And all the listeners now at home stood up applauding exactly what you just said there. Everything seems to be put at the door, on the doorstep of the schools to sort out. And I, and I spoke uh, to Tegan Creedy last week uh, from Happy Space UK, uh, and she was doing exactly the same, you know, trying to work out how you can get uh, mental health uh, into, into schools and we've got, you know, uh, how we can weave it into what we already do. And then we've got the, the, the uh, expectation and pressure, rightly so, of the climate crisis to kind of weave that in as well. And, and, and there just seems to be so much in society that needs fixing and it seems that the first port of call for most things is to, to an extent yes maybe education is a it absolutely is a kind of a starting point but but i, I echo and, and and hear exactly what you said there about only students are only in school what 15 percent of their time 15 percent of their week yeah so when you think about yeah it's just it's, it's not a lot of time for school to apparently fix everything, everything yeah. Um, yeah, right. but then also I, I don't know you know the, the statistics I don't know the data on this but then also a big concern and not something I work with at the moment or I'm even it's not for me to because you know I focus on the teenager is even what about the, the teacher's mental health you know what about the what, what about what they're going through and I actually work with the teenagers on this as well maybe the teacher's going through a hard time as well so you think the yeah. teachers are picking on you picking on you but actually maybe we could be empathetic as well because maybe they're going through something um and I don't know if there's much emphasis on on this area in the UK I actually don't know um but it would also be interesting to know what 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 the teachers are going through and also how they're protecting their mental health to ensure that they can also deliver a great service to our teenagers. I think, I think that's definitely, that's a really good point. And I think like to answer the question in a way is that, yes, there has been a huge kind of emphasis now put on, on, on wellbeing and mental health of, of teachers, because I think it is eventually, you know, it has finally been realized that, you know, there's only so many, so much space on someone's plate. You can continue kind of, you know, if you're going to add things to a plate, you know, the first question is what can we take off first? Um, and it made me also think, cause there is a, a big, a big push and drive. And there's been a lot of sort of books written and, and, and research done. Um, and in fact, actually, the, the, the tests have just released yesterday a kind of a report on, on, on the staff well-being. But I think one thing also missing is, is, is well-being of kind of head teachers and leadership teams as well, because you know there's there's many and a plenty teachers that obviously are going through what they're going through and having to deal with what they're doing through, but they hopefully are being looked after to an, to a degree by the leadership and, and by the heads, etc. But then who looks after the looker after is just the question, right? <laughs> You also think right with everything going on with COVID and stuff. If if you're a parent as well as a teacher, or you work in education, for example, I've got three children and a, and a wife. With mm. COVID coming, I'm not only protecting myself. If somebody in my household comes down with COVID or something happens, it wipes out everything I do. 
And does that make sense? So it can change all my plans, my schedule. And I think a prime example and one thing what I would just like to share with you is just last year, um, quite a, my, my children were quite poorly and I was supposed to be in the city of Peterborough Academy, the head teacher Ben Pierce. And I never like cancelling obviously a day because it's my business and I don't want to be unreliable. But I had to. So I sent him an email, I think it was four o'clock in the morning or whatever it was, saying I can't come in today. I'm really, really sorry. As you can imagine, I had severe anxiety at that point, thinking, what's he going to say? Is it going to affect future work? You know, and he said, he got back to me and said, Cam, no problem. Family first. Speak to me when you can and we'll work out another date. And straight away, I was like, wow. For some reason, I just, it was expecting the opposite. Like, oh no, okay. But yeah, it was just, yeah. It, it was amazing. And I can imagine he treats his staff like that. And even that trust he's a part of, um, it was just amazing. Family first. And, and that's what I've had to focus on, especially moving forward and running my own business um, yeah. in the UK. And that, and that makes an awful amount of sense. And it's a, a, an employer, which I think everybody would want to work for in that regard, isn't it? But I think, you know, historically, that's not always been the case. And, pe- and teachers have always felt perhaps maybe a little bit that, that anxiety that you were just saying there, you know, about not being able to do something, not being able, you know, we're often kind of given this, we're challenged, you know, we're in this dilemma, maybe we're feeling sick, but it's like, well, we'll we can't go to work today, but we have to go to work today because what's going to happen if we don't, if we don't turn up, if we don't show up, how's that going to affect? And is it actually more work not going in uh, to school than it is going into school? And so, yeah, having that, that leadership, that reliable, empathetic, family first kind of leader is something which I think really uh, makes up a, a, a quality, uh, quality place to work, right? So pressure, yeah, interesting. So let's move on to your kind of sort of day to day, I suppose. Then, so um, for uh, for the people at home, uh, your business is is it dreams to reality? Uh, And could you tell us a little bit about that and what the vision and mission is? So dreams to reality, or the stuff that ninety percent of the work I do is pupil premium working in schools up and down the UK. I mean, last week alone, I was in Leicester on Monday, Manchester on Tuesday, Newcastle on Wednesday and Thursday, and London on Friday. Um, so I work with students across the whole of the UK, pretty much. Um, and majority of it is pupil premium programs, three days, six days, and kind of 10 days. And we measure what we do, uh, the data side of it as well, to deliver the impact, um, whether it's soft data and taking on board the school's hard data. So I just want to throw that in there. That's majority of my work and what I'm fascinated really with doing. Um, our, one of our favorite words is impact, impact, impact. And obviously sometimes it can be very difficult uh, measuring impact in many ways and that's why it all started with one motivational assembly and that's what I used to do but then something within time didn't feel quite right I had to question what what is the impact of that you know um, what actually is the impact who's benefiting what are the outcomes from this and yeah it just didn't it, it didn't feel authentic to me if I'm being honest and I still do it and I tell schools and um I mentioned with Ben Pierce I actually he wanted an assembly to begin with I said listen Ben happy to come in and do the one hour assembly you yeah. know I feel like we're one of the best at it but where's the impact how can we measure it what can we do and I'm not just saying measuring it to tick a box for the schools I'm talking about just so we can I mean, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. And it's also nice for the students to see how we're progressing and and what we need to do. And, you know, being doing my role, people think, oh, you have to be really, really positive. And actually I'm not, 
I'm not, I'm not, you know, it's, it's not, I'm, I'm not a really positive person, but I'm also not a really negative person. I would like to say I kind of sit in the middle and I like to see what the problems are, see the problems for what they are and try and work out a, a solution for them, whatever that may be, because there's no point being positive. Oh, it's all going to be okay. It's going to be amazing. Actually, it might not be. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. it's, but it's about working out a direction and figuring out how we can take that next step to ensure success, to ensure they do well, to ensure that they're happy and healthy and, and so on and so forth. Um, I, think, I think, so. if I can just sort of jump in there on the impact set side of things and the fact that you're using data, I think that's really good because I think we're in a kind of a bit of a, uh, a strange place, I think, in terms of measuring things because we we kind of, in the, historically, we've measured too many things and that, and that data has been perhaps maybe not very valid in how we've gotten that data. Um, and so, like you said, sort of soft or more kind of, a qualitative data or something is, is is something which perhaps maybe sounds like this is a more uh, accurate measure of but in terms of in terms of being able to justify your engagement or come or, or coming in yes there does need to be something uh, tangible doesn't there in terms of like saying right well if we're going to give three days of curriculum time or x amount of time cooking time you know we want to be able to demonstrate that there has been kind of a, a an impact and or the worst case scenario is we do three days it was a load of rubbish and it don't work but then you get a breakdown report of why it was rubbish and why it didn't work just so then if anyone says where did you spend that money or you know can you justify this like well we've done this this is what happened it didn't work we're not going to do it again so yeah. that's yeah. the worst situation but but that's a good reef that's a good kind of feedback loop as well that isn't it because then you can say well why did it go wrong and or, or why did it not work and and I imagine a lot of the stuff again when I'm sort of looking on your website you you tailor your 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 programs to the to the individual schools and and I think that's a very important aspect of it it's not a kind of an out of box thing you have to know your your audience if you will but then I also you know schools have come to me say can what so you know we signed up six days what are you going to do on day five? We've not even done day one yet. Yeah. And it's hard because I'm like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're like, what do you mean you, you don't know? I'm like, well, I can put a structure together, mm-hmm. but I'm, it's not until I come in on day one or, and then day two and then think, and we work it out together. We go away after every day, plan and prepare what we're doing for the next day. There's no point me yeah. doing a schedule if it's not relevant for where the students are currently at yeah you know no point doing goal setting on day five is there yeah. you know we're, we're, we're just that. not there I love um, that and that means that we're singing we, we are certainly singing from the same song sheet on that because I think you know I think Ofsted used the the three eyes it's the intent implementation and impact um and so you're setting what you intend to do at the very start uh, but it could but you've got to be reactive yeah when you've got to be reactive you've got to be responsive to to to, to what's going on I think a few things might pop up which will kind of put you on a different track um and how you do that how you implement that is important and then and then measuring yeah. the impact as well you're 100% right because some things you can't measure and you know uh, I was in school in Solihull we'd done two days and um, when I came back the second day that the teacher was uh, what did he say to me he said oh the kids are like asking when you when you're coming back and what's you know when like when are you coming back what are we going to do so on and so forth and I thought that's also amazing to hear but then on the flip side I know there's quite a few people in my field who love to show messages what they've received from students who benefited from their sessions. Have you ever seen that before? 
So they'd be like, this, so they'd be like, this is what a student said. He was in my session. And I've done it. I always do it. Sometimes I do it a lot less. And actually, it's probably not the most accurate form of impact, you know. And it's not. Yes, they benefited. It sounds great. But did all 100% of students impact like that? Probably not. Maybe not. That's why we've taken it away from just the motivational assembly. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I received a text message from a deputy head of the college. Um, well, once again, mention where, where, where they are. And I kicked two people out of my assembly before COVID. Mm. And I rarely do that, you know, but I'm quite, I'm, I'm on behavior. I'm not the best. I, I would like to think of I keep them in order. I can keep, yeah. you know, and, uh, but I kicked him out and she messaged me and said, Oh, you know, those two, two lads you kicked out. Um, I'm like, yeah, she's like, now they're both in prison for murder pretty much. Oh, wow. And she said, which is pretty severe, obviously, mm. well, it is severe. <laughs> um, and she said, it just shows the power of listening is amazing, but also the power of not listening can also result in, impact but the other way and it just it put things I can't remember how she worded it but it put things in perspective like wow we are in a position to make a difference not just me teachers pastoral even you know yeah, yeah it just it just it reinforced the message that actually you, you're not going to get everybody and if people choose not to listen then it can also lead to a different way but yes and, and and trying to embed and trying to shape as I said earlier those dispositions and and, and, and attitudes as early as possible because people you know I'd like to believe people aren't born you know murderers right they're not born a murderer you're not born in that way but some a series of events and mis misfortunes something can happen and and all you need is and some in some cases I'm sure you just need one person to 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 talk to you about then, something and it can change your complete direction but then also think what if that group was smaller and wasn't 200 people sat there wonder if the group was smaller and wonder if I had three, six or nine days with them. Am I saying that that wouldn't have been their outcome? I'm not saying that, but there would have been a lot of higher chance of impact and getting through to them and building the relationship and building that trust. And I think you sent me uh, one of the questions on, on Twitter and people were saying about relationships. And yes. actually that's the best thing about the three, six and 10 days we do is you build a relationship with the students. And um, obviously in that small hour section, I, it wasn't possible. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I think that's what as a as an and, and that's perhaps maybe links back to what you're saying about the maybe the, the, the lower impact or the ineffectiveness almost of, of, of assemblies, because it's just one versus 200, 300, etc. And so you don't necessarily you, you don't necessarily get that opportunity, as you said, to kind of cultivate that that relationship that a teacher, you know, whether they see their, their, their class every day, if it's primary or if they see them every two or three days, if it's a subject teacher, etc. You know, for that learning to happen and that motivation and that uh, to, 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 to breed almost it, the teacher needs to know the student and the student needs to know the teacher etc and so I think perhaps maybe that does underline where my, why maybe large-scale assemblies whilst maybe have some some impact perhaps maybe not as wide an impact as something a little bit more intimate and yeah I just think it's about working out what what is the answers me talking today is not me knowing it all because I don't I'm still trying to work things out and yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so open-minded when it comes to this stuff I'm so so open-minded to being wrong and how we can improve and i just want to learn as well and mm. um it's just about all coming together having conversations like this and, and working it out together throwing ideas into a hat and, and trying to work it out and i think that's the best kind of way forward 
And I think that's what, you know, thank you very much for that, because that kind of underlines everything that we're sort of doing at Teachers Talk Radio, really. We, we, the hosts, none of us are ex- will claim to be experts in anything, but we're really interested in, in different views, different opinions, different ideas, you know, selfishly to an extent to, 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 to make us better teachers, <laughs> but, all, but also to kind of, you know, just facilitate the discussion and, and, and having, you know, so many different people on sharing their experiences just, just gets that kind of, gets that that brain ticking doesn't it and starts thinking about all of the uh, the, the intricacies the complexities and simplicities actually that come with, with within education um yeah. we're, we're kind of firing through uh, uh at quite a, a speed here which is which is great uh, but uh just want to kind of spend a bit of time if that's okay uh cameron to you know i'm talking to as i said at the beginning i'm talking to a fellow podcaster uh i think you've you, lovely and a fellow Bristolian as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, podcasters and Bristolians. Something in the water, it must be. Um, <laughs> um, uh, and and so, tell us about tell us a little bit about your podcast because I love the concept of it. Old head, young shoulders. What's it all about? Okay, so that's been put on a back burner just a little bit. So we've got old head, young shoulders, and we've got the dreams to reality one. So back talking about relationships again in uh, secondary school. I didn't really have the best relationship with my head teacher, believe it or not. Um, there was quite a few times when, uh, yeah, I got sent to his office pretty much. <laughs> and one time is a crazy story. I chucked a fruit pastel in the class and it went outside and it actually hit the fire alarm. It doesn't sound realistic. <laughs> it doesn't honestly sound, I lasted. Oh, hence why the American football uh, career uh, started. Oh, <laughs> hours into the school day and they still couldn't work out who'd done it until somebody told uh basically senior leaders that it was me Uh, so because they was like nobody was there at the time everybody was in the class and um obviously i don't that's not good behavior um but that's something we talk about on the podcast but old head young shoulders obviously me being a young shoulders even though i'm not very young anymore but he's actually my old head and over the last couple of years we built up a great relationship and peter roland um is somebody i just love and like, he's such a the kind person i i would love to be as kind and knowledgeable and everything as he is obviously i didn't have those opinions in school um but yeah he's just what a man what a man yeah and, and it's often that happens isn't it and i think i think teachers are kind of we never really see the 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 the, the fruit of our labors right it's only until when, when you when you get a little bit older and you look back and you think wow yeah they were really helping they were really looking out for me but at the time it's kind of like you know you're in this kind of or some people in this kind of rebellious stage or just kind of like you know pushing back on 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 all these things and and I, and I loved the, the the dynamic that you had in in the couple because you because you uh video uh podcast yeah, yeah, right, video. Podcasts, yeah so I, I love that kind of relationship that you had he still scares me even to this day even when he texts me or shoots me a message on whatsapp um it, he doesn't scare me, but it's just, um, it's like you're in, in the presence of greatness. I don't know. It's weird. You know, and I just, I just, I, I just want sir. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> um, I can call him a few names now as well and get away with it, which is great. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's present. And one thing that we've spoken about in that podcast and one thing that, you know, what he talked about on the podcast was fascinating because it's actually what we do, what he displayed in school, I guess. 
And even when I was going through stuff, if the behavior was bad, he would always challenge the behavior, not me as a person. Yes. And he would always kind of separate the two. And um, because I wasn't a bad kid, I wasn't a bad kid, but sometimes my behavior was immature. It wasn't where it was needed to be. And he would always challenge that behavior. And um... Ah, sorry about that, folks. I think we just uh, glitched out a little bit there, but uh, it was interesting what uh, what you were saying there, Cameron, because it did make me think straight away about that clip when Ian Wright meets his old, I think it was his PE teacher or something, he turns around and and you can just see all of these memories and all these emotions kind of like rushing back to his, to, to, to his, to his face and he chokes up a little bit and starts to get a little bit teary and I think that's a real... It, it's a real demonstration about how like much impact that uh, teachers, head teachers can have on students. Um, and there's almost this kind of lag time between the where the input happens and the realization of that happens. And so I think that's perhaps maybe when when you were talking about your your, your head and that you're uh, in the podcast with uh, and, and Ian Wright's example, I think that there's that real genuine emotion I think in that kind of the the the, the realization that something really happened yeah 100% lovely right fantastic now we're gonna just have a a break shortly but just before we do just wanted to ask you that one to one little question in that uh, section um you did a, a talk at the British School of Geneva for a, yeah. a little TEDx event and uh, I was just wondering first off because it's something that you know I'd love one day myself to be able to do but definitely don't think uh, I've got the, the the minerals for it so, so so how do you kind of prepare for that um and how do you kind of in, you know captivate your audience for that long um and, and 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 how was that experience firstly i can't sit here and accept that you can't do all that <laughs> be able to do one um give yourself a little bit of credit of course you can and um it was it was still quite difficult to be fair and what was difficult is um the opportunity came when I was actually at the University of Cambridge delivering a big talk there. And then somebody came up after and offered me the opportunity, which was clearly amazing. Um, but I put out quite a lot of content and I put out stuff all the time. But the best thing about the stuff I put out is pretty much I agree to it before it goes out. So any mistake, <laughs> anything, I can work on it. But one thing what was terrifying about the TEDx stuff actually was that I wasn't in charge of the filming or the editing, which meant I only had one take. And my sessions are quite engaging anyway. And I used the crowd and, you know, I worked with the crowd. This was just me talking for... Um, 18 minutes or 20 minutes, whatever it may be. So it was more of a performance mm. than it was an actual speech. Um, but yeah, just, I had the speech, I worked on the speech and I never really write speeches down. So it didn't really go too well. But one thing I do, and when I first started developing my speaking ability is because uh, it was through practice. So I'm, I'm heavily dyslexic. Uh, so even when I say words, I still get them round the wrong way. Um, I'm not the most intelligent person in the room. And the only way I could really develop that was by practicing, practicing, practicing. And that came through many forms. That came from just going to empty classrooms at my university and walking around and talking. That came kind of, it sounds cliche, but in front of the mirror. And it yeah. also yeah. mostly came from 
uh, really just focusing when I'm talking, uh, talking to anybody, really just trying to perfect it. Even if I was at Sainsbury's asking, you know, the people, <laughs> oh, how, how was your day? Tell me a bit more. And it, it sounds silly, but it really made, it really made a difference. And I've really loved reading now. Um, I don't do enough of it with three young children. Mm. Um, but when I read normally, I will read out loud. Um, I will read out loud and it really helps with my speech. It helps with my understanding, the processing of information. It helps with a lot. And ultimately when it came to TEDx, I've been doing it still quite a while. Um, I went to just a classroom or empty room in my house and I just kind of had somewhat of the script and I practiced and I practiced and I added things in, took things away, wrote it down and there it was. Wow, we it sounds. I mean, and and not only is that good for, for 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 delivery preparation, but also I think confidence as well. And I think I've kind of when I've been for job interviews, you know, you kind of rehearse how you're going to answer a certain question, etc. And then you come away from the interview and think, ah, oh, I forgot to include this bit, or so it's never really kind of exactly as you vision it sometimes as well, right? So there is an element of kind of ad libbing and uh, and not be you know not going completely to script. And that's one of my biggest insecurities as well, to be honest, even doing something like this, having uh, being in a position to be ridiculed or criticized or, you know, whatever it may be, I always want to improve. So I'm open for always open for feedback. And I know what work we do in schools. That's what I'm passionate about. That's what we have to, you know, we make, we, we do make a difference, but even writing stuff on Twitter or tweeting stuff, I'm like, have I said that right? Is there any mistakes with my dyslexia? I'm like, also like, if yeah. there was a mistake, yeah. I might not even know if there was one. And right. yeah, right. and it is one of my biggest insecurities is communication, believe it or not. That's what say own that. And it sounds like that you are, you know, some people will come back at you and say, well, you've got to own that, right? Uh, and be, and be proud and, 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 and yeah. Wear it on that's your sleeve, right? That's why I also write on the whiteboard as well in schools. I never used to for about five, six years because my handwriting, because I didn't want to make a mistake. I can't talk to the, the children about ownership. I can't talk to them about, you know, their insecurities and overcoming it if I'm not willing yes. to do it myself. So every single school, even if I don't need to, I'm writing on the whiteboard. And, yeah. it's, a, and it's, 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 made, it's made a difference to my handwriting. It's made a difference to even my spelling and owning it as well. When somebody said, oh, sir, you spelled it wrong. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I did, but never mind. And then I correct it and it's just showing them that actually um, it's okay to make a mistake. And it's the fact that I'm trying to do it. It's the fact that um, I'm still engaging in that way. So I want to write on the whiteboard. The only reason I wasn't is because I'm insecure about making a mistake, which is the wrong reason for not doing it. Absolutely brilliant. And, and that, that kind of ticks a lot, a lot of boxes. I think that, you know, celebrating, celebrating failure and, and schools are good places to do that as well, aren't they? You know, they're, they're, they're fantastic places to learn and, and to make mistakes and to try, try to correct them at that stage. And I think just going back to the, the, the TEDx talk, uh, one thing I did notice is just how um, sort of how sort of animated you are in, in the delivery. Uh, I think that helps. And I think when you're looking at, you know, whether it's presenting at TEDx or, or even just teaching a lesson, um, keep you know try to captivate the audience by by movement yeah moving around making sure that you're kind of you know not kind of uh, sort of static um and also intonation as well that idea of you know changing the pace of what you're saying when you're saying it you know the volume up and down etc i think there's a lot of techniques to learn from 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 ted speakers and like yourself that can something out there go on <sighs> <laughs> I don't really like many TED Talks. 
Ah, right. Why? Do you like your own one? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is it? What is, what is it? Bo too boring or? No, I think yeah. so. I could quite easily listen to a podcast or even yeah. watch a podcast like this for hours mm -hmm. or in the background. I don't know. I think because they're, they're most of them, they're quite heavy and yeah. a lot to know, process, isn't there? And, and, not much, and it's one way. Yeah. And maybe I'm not there yet. I don't know. There's a few which is really, you know, absolutely incredible. Mm. But I do struggle with struggle with a few. But once again, that doesn't make it right or wrong. It's, uh, I, I think it's a fair. I think it's a fair comment. Absolutely. So you know, to the the kids as well. It's, it's like emotions, right? Emotions are not right or wrong. They're just your emotions. Yeah. They're, they're, and it's you know, and it's it doesn't mean I'm right or that's. There's no right answer. If somebody benefits from a TEDx talk, watch TEDx talks. They're amazing. They are. They're amazing yeah. ones. But I, I personally struggle um, to fully engage and fully understand the majority of them. That's very in insightful and very interesting. Hey, uh, we are now going to now just go to the news very quickly, Cameron. And then after, we're going to hear a little bit more uh, after the news about uh, that link between motivation and success. So we'll see you in a couple of minutes. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In England, the government has announced that in order to keep a track of homeschooled children, a register of children not in school will be created. The COVID-19 pandemic has caused an explosion in the number of homeschooled children. But it is impossible to be certain of the true number because there is no statutory register. The Education Secretary, Nadim Sahawi, said, while the majority of children already learn in a calm, well-maintained classroom, and some learn at home with dedicated parents, there are areas across the country where high standards are not being met. Legislation to create the first local authority register for children not in school would make sure every child gets the start in life they deserve. The International Day of Education was celebrated on the 24th of January, with Nigeria joining the international community. Education in Nigeria has been reported as being in a dire state, with UNICEF reporting that even though primary education is officially free and compulsory, about 10.5 million of the country's children aged 5 to 14 years are not in school. Peter Hawkins, the UNICEF representative in Nigeria, said, Millions of Nigerian children have never set foot in a classroom. And this is a travesty. Perhaps equally tragic is the high number of children who make it into a classroom but never make the transition from primary school to secondary school, thereby cutting off their chances of a secure future. It is reported that one in five out-of-school children in the world is Nigerian. In 2021, there were 25 attacks on schools 1,440 children were abducted 
and 16 children were killed. Even more vulnerable children remain in captivity of bandits and kidnappers. The health and safety of students and improved working conditions for teachers need to be enhanced. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. Live from Qatar, this is The Morning Break with Dorian Brown on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Okay, thank you very much uh, for the news there, Gail. Welcome back to Teachers Talk Radio. It is Friday, the 4th of February, uh, and you are joining me, Dorian Brown, in the studio with Cameron Parker. And we have just had a uh, a dander through uh, the first couple of sections of the show, talking about uh, uh, motivation uh, and, and a number of other little avenues that we wandered down as well. Absolutely fascinating. Uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to kind of turn... So Cameron's main... Uh, area of work is in in motivation and in particular working with people or is it or is it or is it (laughs) well (laughs) i'm going to be corrected on this but uh the majority of it is working with pupil pupil premium students uh what i would like to ask at the very start of this section and this is where perhaps maybe the the discussion might uh unfurl a little bit Wondering about what your take is after there was a number of uh, Twitter posts uh, in response to the Teachers Talk Radio post about what make what is what does good motivation look like? Many teachers and 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 people responding were saying that that you need the success first. So in your view, Cameron, how do you see uh, in 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 your experience and in your view what is the link between motivation and success? So does success breed motivation or vice versa? Or or where, where do you stand on that? I'm not sure. Uh, firstly, the question is, what is success? Uh-huh. Nice. What does success mean to somebody? You know, what, what does success look like? Mm. It's, I'm sure it's probably going to be different to you than it is to me. Is it, is it money? And if somebody says money, then you question that. Is it really money? Is it freedom? Is it because you think you need to respond with money? Um, or actually is it, you know, my pretty much the only family I've got is the family I created. So for me, that's success. But I probably didn't think that was success at the age of 17 or 16 or 15. Um, So first, I think it always changes. Yes, I think sometimes it can help um, short term. What are you looking to do? Okay, yeah, Cam, I want to get an apprenticeship uh, as like, I want to be an electrician and I want to run my own business. Okay, we can use that for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, the question is, what can we do to now, which would impact that? What, what can we put in place now that would support that? Okay, I need to get English and maths so I can ensure I get my apprenticeship. Also, I don't get dragged back to college every Friday for an extra six hours to redo it. Mm -hmm. so it's like what are those motivations there's many different factors there but it's like okay it's about linking what you want so what i use for example is i say what does a what does a car mechanic use to fix a car let me ask you what does a car mechanic need to fix a car tools spanners you got it first time 
Someone the other day said, a car? And I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> you said tools. So the same way um, this electrician could use, the same way a car mechanic would use tools to fix a car is the same way this electrician could use school as a resource and a tool to get mm. them to where they want to get to. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Uh, so it's, yes, you can 100% link this idea of, but it's about what is success? Does success mm. actually, what does it mean? Does it change? Um, I think you have to really question that if that means, okay, they know what they want to do long-term, that might be fantastic, but a lot of students also don't know what they want to do long-term. Motivation ultimately is defined as the energy for action. And we've all been motivated in the morning, ready to go tonight. I'm going to go to intervention club. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm definitely going to do it. It's my first one. And all of a sudden a bell goes at 3.15. I am not interested anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Motivation. So what does that mean? Motivation is very fickle. Yes. Um, so that does that pop into my head straight away as soon as you said that? I was like, yes, it is very fickle and very kind of temperamental almost, you know, in terms of the whole day. Yeah, does that mean we can rely on motivation to get the outcomes that we're looking for? You tell yeah, me. And so would you say then in that regard, because I, I love what you're saying there about the school being the tool to, to, to realise the eventual goal. So is what you're saying is that um, that motivation itself you should be motivated and make small incremental steps towards that ultimate goal so if, if if motivation is is fickle and it comes and goes when it does come should we pounce on it should we use it to make sure that we are achieving that those small steps to, to help us realize that eventual goal firstly i'm not sure right uh, i'm still working the game out for myself and what i mean by that is i've always thought it was one way or I always had answers for this, say, five years ago, and my opinions have started to change. And I've started to question things a lot more and, and really trying to figure it out for myself. Motivated in your old age. Yeah, <laughs> my headline going further and further. Back. <laughs> uh, but I, I think I, I'm fascinated by what motivation actually is, but I don't feel like we can rely on it. And as we said, because it is fickle, there is... Um, there is one, uh, oh, sorry, there is one um, person who talks about what motivation is. I think his name is Desi or something, DC. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Um, and he talks there's three, there's three kind of psychological needs that we need for motivation. One of them is relatedness. Um, so being relatable to people, being a part of a community. The second one is competence. And now I've totally forgot the third one. So what is it? Relatedness. It's competence. I'm sure the, the third one will come for me. But just even those things there, right? Say, so talk about relatedness and competence. We talk about video games and why some of our teenagers spend too long on there. It's mm. already ticking those three boxes. I feel really silly now. I've forgotten the third one because I use it all the time. Um, <laughs> but I'm sure it will come back to me. Um, but even just understanding that, yes, there might be internal or external motivational factors. But one thing that I think we need to look into more is actually routines and, and habits. So when I wake up at four o'clock in the morning drive to Bradford do you really think I'm motivated at four o'clock in the morning to drive to Bradford no I'm not but I don't even think about it and before I know it I'm I'm pretty much yeah. in Bradford that's um, so that's, quite attached. that's my approach to exercise very much so <laughs> that's, that's what I mean and 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 when it comes down to it um people are I, I, I'll do it but I want to feel more confident before I do it 
And it's like, actually, where does confidence come from? It comes from actually doing it. Does that make sense? If we're waiting to be more confident or are we waiting for something else or do we need to look for something else? But if we're looking for confidence, it's probably not that because you can't expect to go into a karate gym full of black belts and be confident on your first day. Yeah. You're not going to be. But probably when you've been there for a year or two years, you're probably going to have that confidence or competence. Yes. Um, Which links back to what you're saying about the TED Talks as well, isn't it? The, the idea that you kept on kind of pacing, talking to yourself, reading out loud, etc. You're building up that competence and confidence at the same time, aren't you? See if you can notice it. I challenge you to watch it slightly again, only the first three or four minutes. Tune into my breathing and how I'm talking. I think there's a bit in there you can actually physically see me going, I got this. What am I doing? Relax. You're okay. Yeah, uh, I think there's a bit in there because you can you can hear my breathing a little bit, and I noticed it, and I felt tense, I felt it, but all of a sudden it's like, damn, like this is what this is what you do, <laughs> like, yeah. relax, it's okay. But the, yeah, no matter how confident you are, I mean, I think it's the same actually as a teacher, and um, you know, the third one. Sorry, I got the third. Oh, go on, go, go on. Yeah, <laughs> autonomy, Auto yes. autonomy. Right, right. So yeah. it's confidence, it's relatedness, and it's autonomy. Nice. And you think about video games, it, it provides all three of those. Yes. Hence why they're so uh, so addictive. Yes. Yeah. But say, I mean, be something you're not in that. I don't know how that relates back to school, um, but they're kind of three psychological needs. As I said, the energy for action um, with motivation is such a complex conversation, which I don't feel like I think people just chuck out cliche answers for the sake of it. If you say, okay, it's the energy for action. Okay, what's the number one killer of motivation then? It's probably being absolutely exhausted. So mm. if you're being up all night and you're expected to be motivated, you're probably not going to be. Yeah. Does that make sense? So like if, these, if some of these the students we work with, if they're having a really difficult time and their energy is really low, or their stress buckets fall and they're, they're anxious and they're wasting so much energy, then mm. to try and focus in class and show up and do the work is going to be difficult. And that, that, that's a whole new, that's a whole nother podcast that as well, isn't it? It's about the importance of sleep and the mind being actually prepared for a day, a day's learning, right? If you don't get that quality of sleep, uh, then there's no point in turning up to school, actually, in a lot of cases, because it does literally, you know, to the, the cliche in, in one ear out the other, you're, you're cognitively not ready for information to go from your, your working memory to your, to your long-term memory. And so it, learning doesn't happen, uh, essentially, in those, in those, uh, in those circumstances. Um, a lot of the things that you're saying kind of uh, linked me back to the uh, uh, James Clear Atomic Habits uh, book. Yeah, feels very much like that about sort of building these tiny little routines and these tiny little twi uh, uh, triggers almost which kind of make you just be that little bit better um, over a longer period of time rather than trying these wholesale kind of first of January changes. And once again, it's not me coming saying I know all the answers because I don't. Because also, once again, different groups need different things. And it's about mm -hmm. putting ideas into a hat and trying to work it out for the students. So I just don't, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm an expert in this area. But one thing I want to do is just get people thinking that it's probably not just what, you know, what you think. And there must be something more to just motivation because we can't, we, we, we just can't rely on it. We have to... Yes figure out how we can do the work sometimes when we don't feel like doing it and that is when success comes well, we, can, we, we can nurture it and, and and the reason i kind of 
I, uh, I say that is that I'm just uh, uh, reading the sort of the, the cautionary tales in education, which is in the back of a, a Paul Kirshner and uh, Carl Hendrick uh, uh, book, okay. uh, uh, How Learning Happens. So let me, let me just read you a little excerpt of that, because I think this fits really nicely with it. Um, it says, if a student starts out motivated but doesn't succeed, that motivation fades away very quickly and we're worse off than if the learner was only lukewarm to begin with. So I think that's, an, that's a good point. But then the next bit, I think, also is really quite... Because this, this is about motivation and learning, obviously, not kind of necessarily big goals, you know, long-term career goals, etc. But it says, uh, what we know from research is this. There's neither a causal relationship, that means, you know, motivation does not lead to better learning and performance, nor is there a reciprocal relationship which means that motivation doesn't lead to motivation leads to learning and learning leads to motivation. So they're not reciprocal between the two. It's learning that leads to motivation. So when we experience success, no matter how small that success is, it feeds our motivation uh, to continue. Spot on. Remember, I, remember what I just said a minute ago. Mm. The only way of getting confidence is pretty much by doing the thing and um that is the same yeah I, I i i like that a lot and we also have to manage expectations what do i mean when you're learning something new or some when was the last time you learned something new for example when was the last time you learned something new oh i, le I learned a bit about you looking on your website i suppose a couple of days ago <laughs> <laughs> but most, but most, most like adults, or you say you learn a guitar or learn something. Right, there's, yeah, always, yeah. Um, there's always like an ugly zone at the beginning where it's not going to be pretty. You're not going to be great. You're not going to be good at it. Mm. But then it's like the more you do it and the more you overcome it, um, and the more you start to improve, motivation starts to happen. And it's like me being on my bike. I did a 71 mile bike ride the other day. And I mean, only three, four months ago, um, I couldn't even really ride my bike for, you know, 15 miles, but now I'm getting better at it. I'm like, oh, what can I do now? What can I, what can I sign up for? You know, what, what marginal gains are there? And the motivation's there to do it because it's something I, I you know, I, I value as well. And this is what values come down to. I don't think values is essentially, sorry, schools like social idealism, which you stick on a on a school inspire respect yeah they're great ways to live by of course and i like the idea but what is a value we always find the time energy and focus for the things we truly value we always do mm -hmm. so when i was pretty much going to burger king after every school because it was easy to do that what at that moment in time i valued um eating rubbish like burger king more than I valued exercise or more than I valued my health. I valued that easy uh, comfort over growth. Does that make even, sense? Yeah, but even though you knew that one was better for you than the other, you, you, um, I've, I've been there. I've absolutely been there. Yeah, you know what's better for you, but you just have that. You're almost, I feel like that you're programmed. Your automaticity is there, isn't it? That, well, this is what I've been doing and this is part of my routine of who I am. And so I think you mentioned it earlier. I don't know if it was on whilst we've been recording or before that, but you know, you've got a choice when it comes to some activities in your life. You can either one, just delete it altogether. 
two, you can just delegate it if that's possible. Or three, you link it to what you're trying to do, your higher being, your motivation, your success, your life, whatever. So I'm doing this because if I get this right, then it's going to have a positive impact on my children or whatever it might be. Yeah. So it's about linking your values to, to what you're actually trying to achieve in life and what you are as a person as well. Cameron, we are just really like for an hour show, we have just opened a whole can of worms. I think everything there's so many different avenues which I would love to explore, but I'm just very conscious of the of, of the time that we haven't got left. Um, so we that's, have, why, that's, that's why I wanted to do it because I don't have the answers. I don't know. I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure. I don't know, but it's like let's talk about it because when you just think about motivation, yeah, come on. But if you've got all the motivation in the world, but you don't have a plan, you're just a motivated muppet. <laughs> you, 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 you can't be disciplined without a plan you can't be disciplined without it you can't absolutely so it's, like, it's like motivation i think people think oh it's just a real positive thing but actually i'm not trying to be positive or negative it's about being in the middle and real and, and being honest being real and taking those necessary steps and when you take those necessary steps like that report you read then motivation starts to come, confidence starts to develop, the momentum starts to work in your favour, and then we've got the ball rolling. And then you actually realise, oh, it wasn't as hard as I thought it was anyway. Yes. I've built this whole story up in my head like it's going to be really difficult or revision's really bad, but actually it was easy, actually. It was okay. It wasn't actually terrifying. Yeah, we've built it up to be something that is perhaps a bit more of a beast than it actually is. Um, Open that door again, mate. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Listen, we need to do a quick, really quick ad break, and then I've got one, one, maybe two. I'm going to push you uh, uh, at the end just before we wrap it up. So just join us back here in a couple of minutes, folks. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, Follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk Whatever learning looks like this year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family, Nearpod offers real-time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy-to-use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland 
full, free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward slash Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common, a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are Witherslack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.witherslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. Live from Qatar, this is The Morning Break with Dorian Brown. Thank you very much for those adverts there. Uh, We are hurtling towards the end of the show here. We are here on Teachers Talk Radio, The Morning Break. This is Cameron Parker and Dorian Brown. We have been chatting and really kind of getting, just talking about the, the, the issue of motivation and education and success and not really kind of definitively kind of landing on anything but just kind of just just spitballing some ideas and 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 reading some things and it's been absolutely fascinating and it really is probably a a six hour show in the making but unfortunately we've only got one hour uh so we've condensed it down a little bit but here we go let's uh let's uh see if i can just get us to get get our listeners to have a little takeaway from your experience if i would if i could just push you on that please cam um so Let's say our listeners, uh, what's what's one sort of actionable thing that our our listeners, our teachers, uh, could sort of take away from from today uh, and kind of bring to school on Monday morning, which you think would invigorate students? What a world class question, my friend. <laughs> um, I don't know. Once again, it is because. It, every school and everything is different so I would kind of pose the question do you think leaders eat first or do you think leaders eat eat last and the fact is we like to think oh leaders eat last yeah they have to eat last you know put everyone first but actually um, what can you do to put yourself first what can you do to ensure that you come through the it's like a doorway trigger you know Um, and asking yourself when you before you walk into any door or any new room not don't walk into a door uh, walk walk into any room you ask yourself if you can just stop for it. it sounds unrealistic once again it's the habit and a routine but if you say to yourself what is the outcome I'm looking for when I walk into this room? What do I want them to feel from me when I walk into this room? What do I want them to see? Um, and then it kind of realigns you and it's a doorway trigger. So then when you walk through it, all the stuff you've going through at home, everything is left behind. And it's just, you You put your attention on your intention, your focus on what you're trying to do and the outcomes you're looking for. And if once again, it's not leading through words and it's leading through action um, and they can see your energy, they can see that you care and you can realign yourself with the mission of why you do what you do. And I think that that would have a drastic impact straight away. And I think we all need to do it. Even when we go home to our families, um, whatever it might be, you know, our children may be in the room. What do I want my children to feel when I walk in? Are we being a light or are we being a shadow? um because we've only got you know we've even raising children it's this long long day short years so we don't have a long opportunity to get it right 
Well, wow, that resonates hugely. And I think that every teacher will, 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 will agree with you in that idea that you are in this, this world when you're teaching and whatever's happening at home or in the world or anything, it's just you and the students in that room for that time. And, and turning your attention to your intention, I think is a really nice way of putting that because it's like, what do just, I want? Just realigning yourself. And it's so, it's so, so unnatural to do that. And I understand like, you know, being in schools, it might be difficult to do that. But even if we did that two or three times a day, not yeah. 20 times a day, it might make a bit of a difference. We might realign ourselves quickly. Actually, what do I want to yeah. be like? What, what do I want to bring to this room right now? That reflection and meditation, it just kind of really does. It just takes five seconds. I, wanna, yeah. I don't want to be a shadow. I want to be a light. I want to bring the energy. Then my year 11s are also going to see that. Fantastic. Well, listen, Cam, just one last one last thing. I'm going to let you go now, but please, what lies ahead for you? So you've, you've, you've talked about a lot of the projects that you've been part of. It sounds like you're also rushing around kind of from place to place at the moment and you're juggling things at home. What's what's the future for Cameron Parker? And, uh, and, and also, can you let us know how we can kind of reach out and engage with you further? The future is to find answers to all these questions we pose. <laughs> <laughs> to create a bit of clarity even in my head because you know um that's a that's a beautiful thing about learning the more you learn the more you realize you don't know so the more you yes. want to find out yeah um, and that's why i love learning and i'm passionate about learning um so just develop the programs we're doing we've also got an online academy as well which covers uh, life lessons uh, also mindset and motivation academic performance Wow. and well-being as well so that's a, a, a resource for schools for a very small price which plays in tutor time we've got me and my team doing what we do best um, but that's also a resource for the schools to deliver in assemblies and uh, tutor time and also for the students to log in if they, they want to as well so we're developing that perfecting that bigger impact and I'm waiting just for a call from you to bring me out to uh, to the sun mate and uh, <laughs> with your students I'm waiting I'm waiting it's only about 20 degrees at the moment it's a bit cool unfortunately so you have to bring your uh you have to bring your hoodie with you <laughs> but um everyone just, yeah everyone could just get me on my email just cam at cameron-parker.com that's just cam at cameron-parker.com our websites are being updated at the moment um but we're still busy every day that it's, it's being tricky to get in. yeah and and, and and you've been so generous with your time here today coming on teachers talk radio with so many other things going on and everything we will put in the show notes uh, any of the links that we've talked about in the show as well so that's all there for all the listeners and it just reminds me to say thank you so much for such a engrossing and, and and lively discussion again we haven't answered anything but it's just so good just chewing these things over and just really just processing them uh, and i hope that you know i think we've both kind of added a little bit to the to the pot and 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 I'm sure our listeners uh, that are listening live in the studio or actually later to a, pod to, to a podcast will also have a lot of thoughts to kind of uh, to, to, to spin into this into this big issue as well. So, Cameron, thank you so much. Uh, uh, keep on doing what you're doing, my friend, uh, and uh, hope to see you in person soon. Amazing. Thank you for your time. And as I said, it's just it's just nice to have an open conversation with not, you know, I got the answers and you don't. It's just nice to have a nice combo and chuckle ideas into a hat and let's work it out together. Beautiful. Take care, everybody. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week. Bye bye. Bye bye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.